a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Sources. Inside Sources, Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. It is great to be with you today. And just as a uh, programming note, we are continuing to follow the impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump that is taking place uh, really underway in earnest, uh, starting about an hour and a half ago in the well of the United States Senate. And uh, right now we have the House impeachment managers. Remember, each side is given 16 hours over the course of two days uh, to make their case. And then, of course, the former president's attorneys will make their defense. Uh, So currently today we have uh, heard from Representative Raskin, Representative uh, Neguse, Representative Castro, and currently on the floor of the United States Senate is Representative Swalwell, uh, each laying out in a very meticulous fashion uh, all of the events uh, of the election, of the things that happened in the days that followed, uh, all, of course, culminating uh, with the the, uh, tragic events that took place inside the United States Capitol on January the 6th. So we will continue to uh, monitor and track that as we go uh, throughout the program and throughout the day here on KSL News Radio. Uh, we're going to shift gears for just a, a little bit right now. We're going to go to our friends from the other side academy uh, and talk about some real criminal justice reform uh, that has some interesting components, uh, accountability uh, and real compassion. And those things actually go together. And so very excited to be joined uh, by two of our good friends, uh, Joseph Grinney, founder of the Other Side Academy. And uh, Dave DeRocher, who I don't even know how to describe Dave anymore. He's uh, part superhero, part cartoon character, uh, part uh, transformer of lives guy. So how's that for a new title for you, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) The cartoon character part's correct. The other stuff is still uh, a little (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, you all are uh, doing extraordinary work, Uh, the real work, the heavy lifting uh, that happens in people's lives as they try to get their, their act together. Uh, very powerful op-ed that was uh, written, of course, by uh, with Joseph and with many of your students there at the Other Side Academy. And let me go to you first, Joseph, to kind of set the stage a little bit as to why the, uh, the Other Side Academy, what it is that you do there, and then we'll get into uh, how we actually need to get some of the real reform that will help us change lives. Yeah, thanks. And I, so, so our students have been arrested an average of 25 times. They're Long-time drug addicts, uh, criminals, been living on the streets, uh, literally the the most broken of lives for decades. The Other Side Academy is an opportunity for them to do the hard work for long enough that it takes to become a person they've never met before. 
So to try to get back on track after 20, 30, 40 years sometimes of chaos and mayhem. So it's a it's a lengthy program. It's a place where people stay. They support themselves. It's self-reliant. Uh, they run the, the other side movers, the other side thrift boutique, the other side builders as ways of providing the income to support themselves because the program is free. So, so that's us. And what got us to reach out to you, Boyd, is realizing that we now know uh, who's going to succeed or fail at the Other Side Academy based on how the criminal justice system works with them. We know that there are ways that we can make sure that criminal justice reform actually is compassionate because it helps change lives. And some of what we're doing right now is heading in the opposite direction. Mm. So uh, so often we end up with that revolving door in and, in and out uh, of the uh, criminal justice system, in and out of uh, incarceration. And, uh, David, let me go to, to you uh, as the executive director of the Other Side Academy, your other title that we'll just toss in there. Uh, you were you part of that process. You were part of, uh, in your uh, op-ed uh, combined, you said that you had over 150 years of incarceration, over 400 arrests uh, between you all. Uh, and tell us about that system, and then how do we actually go about changing that? You know, boy, that's really – I'm glad you bring that up. And the important thing is what the – here's the distinction that needs to be made. I think a lot of people that are making the decisions as it relates to this population have never lived the lifestyle. So they're making decisions based on this population uh, uh, because of what they learned in school or however they're coming to, to, to terms with whatever they think is the right thing to do. When if you are a drug addict and you've got $10 million in the bank and you're sitting around your apartment all day smoking dope, well, then leave them alone until the person needs help. And then they can go pay for their uh, their treatment someplace. But our population is the drug addict coupled with the criminal component. These are people that are breaking into your homes. They're breaking into your car. They're stealing your identity, destroying your credit. They're driving under the influence and killing people. These are criminals on top of the drug addict. We need to arrest the criminal. If the drug addict is attached to it, Oh, well, what we're getting away from is we're going, oh, the poor drug addict. It's not their fault. It's the drug addict. That's easy to say until that drug addict gets in a high speed chase and kills your children. Mm. You know, until that happens, people don't want to take action. We have a few cases just recently where we had a guy who left the other side academy and got arrested eight times inside of a year. In order to get arrested eight times, you had to get released eight times. These are people that are breaking into uh, uh, lockers, stealing cars, stealing guns. And getting released and then reincarcerated, getting arrested, getting released, getting arrested, getting released. How many times do we have to do this before we hold them accountable? Every time I got arrested during my 27 years of drug addiction, the absolute best thing that could happen to me was locking me up. Because the criminal component, the crimes I was choosing to commit, until we hold us accountable for our decisions that we're making, we're not going to solve the problem. And it's such an important distinction, sympathy for the for the drug addict and empathy in terms of how do we actually get this solved. Uh, and so right. often in our, our rush to alleviate the suffering of some or to feel like we're compassionate towards some, we end up creating suffering for, for so many more. Uh, Joseph, let's, no. Joseph, let's go to you in terms of some of those things that will actually help break that cycle and what you're actually seeing at the other, other Side Academy is that when there is accountability, when there are options uh, then you've got a uh, real opportunity for change. Yeah, what we know is that if our students, if those who are prospective students, are held accountable for the crimes they commit, they are far more likely to succeed at the Other Side Academy. Well, let's face it, if you've been doing heroin for 20 years, very few people wake up one morning and say, I don't like heroin anymore. 
that change starts when the pain and misery of changing, because changing is hard. Pain or change starts when the pain and misery of changing is less than the pain and misery of staying the same. So when people continue to get arrested and we let them out after a day or two to run rampant on the streets again and cause chaos one more time, we're not helping them, nor are we helping society. So as Dave said, it wasn't until he was facing a 29-year prison sentence that he said, gee, maybe it's a good way, to, good day to change my life. Here's what we now know, Boyd. If somebody arrives at the Other Side Academy as a prospective student facing significant charges and knowing that they will be held accountable for those charges, that if they don't complete the Other Side Academy, they will actually have to serve the jail or prison term that, that they're facing. Those people are two to two and a half times more likely to stay the full two years and to change their life and never reoffend. Two to two and a half mm-hmm. times more likely. But what happens today is usually not that. What happens is they go to court. Somebody says, oh, you want to do a program? Go do a program. And then there's loose accountability. If they stay 30, 60, 90 days, but then walk away and don't complete the program, they'll, they'll often be on the streets for weeks or months. And then when they do go back to court, the judge will often say, well, you've been doing okay for a while. Let's just kind of see how it goes. To the drug addict, that's a license to kill. All that says is that there are no consequences for what I'm doing. Therefore, the pain of changing is far greater than the pain of staying the same. So let's just go with status quo. Yeah. And so often we end up in in that status quo. And again, we don't get the real change that we're actually after. Uh, Dave, both as someone who has gone through this program and someone who leads this kind of program, uh, how is that accountability that you hope you'll get from the courts uh, also applied inside the the walls of your facility uh, to actually create that kind of change in in these individuals. It, it is it is both paramount and germane to our success. When I wrote Delancey Street a letter when I was facing uh, a couple of decades in prison and they accepted me, I knew that if I went to Delancey Street when the judge finally acquiesced and he let me go and he suspended that time over my head, I knew that if I get kicked out or I split, I'm going to go do that time. At about a year and a half, I asked to stay a third year. That time no, no longer mattered. I ended up staying in Delancey Street for eight and a half years. So when a student comes to us, particularly through the courts as an alternative to a lengthy jail sentence or a lengthy prison sentence, if they know unequivocally that if I split, I, the judge or the prosecutors are going to hold me accountable to the zero to five, the one to 15, the multiple life sentences, whatever I've got over my head, I have to stay. That's the magic pill. When they know they're going to be held accountable, then they end up staying, like Joseph said, two to two and a half times uh, better odds of them staying. That gives them the opportunity to learn to live in a healthy community until they learn to live in a healthy community. When people come here and they split 30 days later, six months later, one year later, and they're not held accountable anymore in court, that permeates through the jails. And everybody in the jail knows, hey, we can go to this program. and If you don't stay, you won't be held accountable. That ruins the model. And then again, no incentive to change, and they start working the system. And if anybody out there thinks the drug addicts don't know what they're doing and aren't working the system, holy cow, you shouldn't be anywhere near uh, making decisions as it relates to this population if you don't think they're working the system. They know We know exactly how to do it. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, let me go to you on uh, what you're attempting to do and, and some of the things that uh, that are working and some of the things that you still need some help changing in terms of some of the laws, the regulations, uh, things that uh, slow down or inhibit the effectiveness of your program. Well, there, there are a couple of things. The, the easiest fix to all of this can happen at the prosecutor and the judge, just the individual court level. So starting today, if 
people will be referring those that will come to a program like ours that's long enough to create serious change with clear sentencing and with 100% confidence that they will be held accountable if they leave and don't complete the full commitment that they make, then we know that they're two to two and a half times more likely to change. So these are dozens, if not hundreds, of lives we could be saving today with a simple administrative change at the court level. Now, beyond that, there, there are things that we need to be careful that we're doing around sentencing reform. There, there are racist and, and systematic biases in our, in our judicial system, and those need to be fixed. We have over-sentenced people in the past. So all of those things need to be addressed. Don't hear us saying anything other than that. However, what we need to do is not throw the accountability baby out with the bathwater. There, there still needs to be clear sentencing. There still needs to be clear accountability one of the most dangerous phrases that we hear bandied about now in politics is you shouldn't incarcerate drug addicts because it's a it's a disease. It's not a crime. Well, as as we're saying, that conflates two problems. We're not talking about incarcerating drug addicts. We're talking about incarcerating criminals. When they break into your house, they ought to be incarcerated. Dave mentioned one example. I'll share another. We had somebody who split from our program recently that went out there on a run, got high again, was driving a vehicle, and got into a wreck. He was out within 24 hours getting high again. What kind of a system is that? What message does that send, not just to society that says, this guy gets another shot at us to try to kill us and our children, but what message does it send to him when we're willing to say, boy, you poor drug addict, uh, we understand that this is just a disease, and so we're going to let you back out on the street one more time. That's not compassionate to him. We buried somebody that we love about a year ago in a DUI accident because he had been out committing crimes for month after month after month and not held accountable. Of course, he made those bad choices, but we're, co- we're co-conspirators in that choice when we don't properly hold him accountable for the crimes he commits. Oh, so important. Uh, Dave, just got about a minute left. Uh, and I want to just highlight some of the things that uh, are happening at the Other Side Academy uh, that just show that when uh, people do have that accountability, uh, they do have that opportunity, they do learn those skills that many of them missed while they were on the street or high or on drugs, uh, that uh, they can reform, they can become contributing members to society. That is correct. Right now we we have just over an 80% success rate for those who stay two years or longer. And if you look at the 30, 60, 90-day models, it's, it's widely known, and some people don't like to, 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 to hear the truth, but there's about a 3 to 5% success rate in the 30, 60, 90-day model because you have to leave on day 30, 60, or 90 because the funding's run out. Those who stay two years or longer here, it's upwards of 80%. Those who stay four years or longer, it's 100%. That's the magic of this model is we give them a long enough time period to stay in a healthy community until they learn to do so, and it becomes who they are, not just what they do. And we're not uh, – uh, we don't have to kick them out on a particular day because the funding's run out. So when we do give this population the opportunity to go someplace, we need to make sure the place is accountable. We need to make sure they're going to be there long enough to experience whole person change, not just get clean and sober. All we've been doing for decades is trying to get people clean and sober without the whole person change. And that's why they continue to use. That's why our average students been to six to eight of the other uh, 30, 60, 90 day models. They're not designed to work, although there's wonderful people trying to do good work and save lives, very well-intentioned. But it's hard to change two decades' worth of, uh, of, of, of practice in 30, 60, or 90 days. It just doesn't happen realistically. It's a fantastic model. The Other Side Academy, uh, important work. Uh, and I would remind everyone that they do this without uh, federal 
state or local money. They they fund themselves through the activities that they do uh, while they're learning skills and learning lessons. Uh, number one rated customer service moving company, the other side movers, uh, and a host of other projects that are just extraordinary. Uh, and the ultimate message today uh, that accountability is the ultimate form of compassion in our criminal justice system. Joseph and David, thanks so much for joining us on uh, Inside Sources today. Thank you, boy. Thank you, boy. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll continue to break down what's been happening in the United States Capitol. Uh, The House managers, uh, they are on a recess, taking a quick break here, and uh, we'll come back with much more coverage. Stay with us right here on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.